Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Miss Becky. All right. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 24. Exodus, chapter 24. And uh, we're beginning a new series of messages uh, over the next, uh, I'm not sure, several weeks, I suppose, maybe a couple months. And um, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at, and the, uh, the series title will give the, well, probably the title of the message is already up there, the setting up the tabernacle. But the whole series is really patterns of the tabernacle. Um, I had looked into these. Uh, I've been kind of studying these out uh, probably last year, and God just wasn't leading me, and just I was having a hard time. I started them, and just it wasn't flowing the way I wanted, and I just figured God wasn't ready for me to preach them yet, so I kind of put them on the shelf. Uh, but I uh, got them back out over the last couple of weeks and uh, just had a great time studying uh, this week. Uh, you know, not every message, uh, sometimes I have to labor pretty hard uh, to get some of these messages out. Uh, just uh, I'm kind of a simple guy and not real smart, so it takes me a while to get things figured out. Uh, but had a great time in the Lord this week uh, looking at these and some other lessons on ahead as we're going to be looking at patterns of the tabernacle and how they relate to today. Uh, certainly they point to Christ and even we see some things revealed about the body of Christ, that is the church. And so we're going to be looking um, at some of those things. And uh, today we're looking at the setting up of the tabernacle and um, we'll be looking, start looking at some of its furnishings and those types of things as the messages go on. And so the tabernacle and its furnishings uh, that uh, was re uh, erected that day in the days of Moses. Of course, this is a time when, when the children of Israel were led out of Egypt. And the tabernacle, as uh, Brother Brad's got a good picture of it up here, what it may have looked like, uh, sometimes called even the tabernacle of Moses. And uh, this was something now not designed or thought up by Moses, but given to Moses by God. Uh, and God gave Moses the pattern, if you will, to build the tabernacle, its furnishings, and <clears throat> all the things that go with that. And uh, we know that this uh, earthly tabernacle was patterned around, I believe, the heavenly temple, things that are going on in heaven even right now. And so even though the earthly tabernacle was a pattern of the heavenly, if you will, the tabernacle of Moses in the Old Testament is certainly a pattern that we can use today. In other words, as believers, <coughs> excuse me, we can learn a great deal, uh, some great spiritual truths. Uh, a lot of wonderful truths concerning this tabernacle. Uh, spiritual patterns, uh, if you will. Patterns of the tabernacle, as I said, mostly, mainly that point to Christ. Amen. So we find Christ in the Old Testament. Now before we read the, the verse there, excuse me, I'm just getting a... <coughs> it's that time of year. Uh, everybody's getting the allergies. And I thought I had it beat, and uh, it's reared its ugly head again. And so I want to read some verses from the book of Hebrews, and uh, we'll get to our text here in just a moment. Actually, just some pull out some phrases from these so that you understand where we're talking about this, this pattern. But it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, and it was speaking of the Old Testament priest compared to the true high priest that is Christ. By the way, <coughs> the book of Hebrews is really, the theme of it is Christ is better, amen? When, when you look at all the sacrifices, you look at the priests, all the things that were going on, and compare them to Christ, Christ was the fulfillment of those things, <coughs> and so Christ is better. So speaking of the Old Testament high priest compared to the true high priest that is Christ, that what they did in the tabernacle was a shadow of heavenly things. So a pattern. 
In Hebrews 9.24, speaking of purifying those things that were used in the tabernacle, they would be sprinkled with blood. They also were patterns of things in the heavens. So very interesting. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, speaking of the law, in other words, keeping those ceremonies uh, of the tabernacle, if you will, the Bible would say in Hebrews 10, verse 1, that they were a shadow of good things to come. Now, of course, we fast forward to today. That good thing has come. That would be Jesus Christ, amen? Uh, the, the very thing that all those things were pointing to, that is the Savior of the world. So in Jesus, we find all those things of uh, the Old Testament law and the tabernacle really pointed to. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law of God. And so we see that. So the title of our message, uh, of this, this first message in this series, is Setting Up <coughs> of the Tabernacle. And we're going to find Moses on Mount Sinai where he would spend 40 days with God. Uh, it's a great read. You can read, uh, probably ought to read the beginning of chapter 24 all the way down through 25, actually through several chapters. But we're going to start there with verse uh, in uh, Exodus 24, verse 18. So stand with me if you will. <coughs> I'm sorry about the cough. But Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. And uh, we're going to read on down through verse 25, uh, on down to verse 9. It says, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and so we find him here on Mount Sinai, and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, uh, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. And here's a list of some of these precious things, gold and silver and brass, uh, blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. We find some very expensive fabrics <clears throat> and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod uh, and in the breastplate. All these are very expensive things. And let them make me a sanctuary uh, that I may dwell among them according to all that I shew thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Father, we ask your blessing <clears throat> upon the preaching of the word of God. Father, I ask, dear God, you'll help me with this little tickle that I got in my throat, dear God. You know that I get kind of frustrated with those types of things. So I pray, Lord, you'll just take that away. And uh, so people can focus on what needs to be said here today, Lord. And, and uh, Father, talk about focus. I just pray that I understand some of us have medical issues, Lord, that can't be helped. Uh, but, Father, just help us to try not to go in or out unless absolutely necessary, Lord, so we can focus in on the Word of God. And help us to all be attentive uh, to the Word of God as it's preached. And, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts, dear God, that that uh, uh, you've, all brought, you've brought us all here to this point in time, Lord, to reveal to us some great truths. And as I said earlier, Lord, in our prayer, do pray if there's anyone here with us today that's not saved, uh, Father, that they would see their need for salvation. And, Father, for the believer, we'd see these great truths here this morning, Father, that can be a great blessing to us and help us to understand some things a little better, draw closer to you. Father, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I appreciate you standing. <clears throat> All right, so as I said a while ago, the good thing has come. All these things that we talked about pointing to Christ. And we read there in our text some wonderful things, and they may seem kind of like, okay, preacher, you know, how are, you know, what, what are those? It's just kind of a list of things. We're going to look at some of those things and, and how they're brought up again in other verses of Scripture throughout the book of Exodus. 
And I just want to share some thoughts, again, on some patterns for us today. Again, from the, the heavenly pattern, if you will, of the tabernacle that was given to Moses by God. So number one, and, and really this is just kind of a thought, um, it's amazing to consider God's desire to dwell among His people. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That, that uh, God wants to be with us. And Now we know that, that God is perfect and nothing unholy can come into His presence or it will be consumed. But yet even with that, God has provided a way through His Son uh, that we might be able to commune with Him. And God does that because He desires to be with us. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so we see there in verse 8, he says, And let them make me a sanctuary. Now, notice why, that I, that's God, may dwell among them. So who's this them? Well, it was those who had been rescued from bondage, those that had been taken out of, 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 of Egypt just a short time before. God saved them from Egypt. Most of us know that story. But not only did He save them, but He desired uh, to dwell with them. Uh, and He provided a way... Uh, through this tabernacle to be able to do that. And so not only had God saved them too, but we also know that He had separated them. Uh, salvation, listen, salvation and separation, they go hand in hand, amen. God has called you out of the world, amen, and unto Him. 2 Corinthians 6, 17-18 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, <clears throat> and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And so God wants us to, to, to separate from the world unto Him, and to do, the reason God wants us to do that, because He desires to dwell among those whom He has called out of this world. There's a reason for that. Now, think about this for just a second. We often think of the fall of man in the garden and tra how tragic that was to mankind. But I think sometimes we also need to think about how it broke God's heart. Amen? You ever think about that? How God felt when, when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed Him uh, and, and disobeyed what He said, and that communion was lost. We always talk about how, how terrible it was for Adam and Eve because they lost that, that communion where they could walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. Well, don't you think God missed that too? Do you not think He enjoyed that? I believe he did, amen. Uh, that's what he created man for. I believe that, that he enjoyed those walks in the cool of day as well. And on the mount there, we, we begin to see a pattern of God's desire to dwell with his people. He says, I want this tabernacle built so that I may dwell among them. And praise the Lord for that. And so it is that we, we will see that these patterns will ultimately point to Calvary, of course, and Jesus Christ, who by His death, His burial, His resurrection, again through that has reconciled us to God. And one day all the redeemed, amen, will dwell with God. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Uh, in, by the way, in perfect communion. And certainly that's something excited to, something to be excited about. So number one, God's desire to, to dwell among His people. Number two, let's talk about these materials. Now think about these things. They may seem kind of irrelevant here, but really they say a great deal once you understand the context of everything that's going on. There in verse 3 we see gold and silver and brass. We see blue and purple and scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, all these very expensive materials, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, shot of wood. Uh, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, uh, onyx stones, uh, some precious stones here, stones to set in the ephod and in the breastplate. So we see all these, these uh, precious materials, if you will. 
Now let's stop and think about this. This is just a, a month or so after they came out of, uh, out of Egypt, I think. I think it's 30 or 45 days or so. So now remember, they were basically refugees. They were tent dwellers. I mean, they, they you know, just a short time before were slaves. And so where, where did they get all this stuff? Where did all this come from? Uh, all these riches, if you will. Uh, again, these costly materials, how did they get it? Well, we know if we read, go back, we know that it was all God's doing, amen? By the time the ten plagues had, had, had ended, the Egyptians were pretty eager to get the Jews on the road. They would change their minds later. And God's people basically, through the power of God, spoiled the Egyptians without ever lifting a finger. And in that day, that was common in war. When you, when you conquered the enemy, you got the spoils. Now, God conquered the enemy, but the children of Israel got the spoils. They, they went out of there with a heavy hand. Amen. In other words, they went out of there loaded, <laughs> every one of them. Uh, and, and again, the Egyptians handed these things over. But we notice something in our text that, that is very interesting. We see the reason that all took place, because God needed it for His tabernacle. The very things that, that they had, much of that would be used uh, for the tabernacle and its furnishings. Now, again, we're looking at patterns. What does it mean to us today? Well, do we realize today that anything we have is because God has allowed you to have it? Amen? Uh, I want to say it again because I don't, I don't think you all heard me. <laughs> anything that you have today, you have it only because God allowed you to have it. Well, I worked hard my whole life. Well, praise God, you ought to work hard your whole life. Amen? Uh, but listen, if you have what you have, it's because God has allowed you to have it. Amen? By the way, it's His. We're just stewards over it, right? So anything that we have, God has allowed us to have it. If God has blessed you, uh, uh, maybe with more than what others may have, praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something, there's a reason for it. You know, as the disciples told the owner of the colt that they loosed, remember that? Hey, why you loose my colt? What did he say? The Lord hath need of this. And he had need of these things that, that were here. And so the Lord today has needs concerning the lost. We preached on this a couple nights ago, a Sunday night. And so we have to be faithful, certainly, in our giving. So there's a pattern that we see. And we know later that they did give so much that Moses had to tell them to stop. <laughs> I, I, I don't have no use for it anymore. We, we have more than enough. And certainly, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful the work to get, get done in the church today if people would give that way. But we see a pattern about our possessions and giving. Number three, I want to talk about the foundation of the tabernacle. Now notice verse three again. Notice there that word silver. I want to talk about silver. We all know what silver is. And, and uh, this silver would play a huge role in the building of the tabernacle. Now, for time's sake, we're not going to go to all these verses, but I, I challenge you to go and study these things out. But we know later on in chapter 30, Moses uh, you know, is getting deep into being instructed on how to, to uh, put the tabernacle together, and God gives him some, he's already by this time, he's given him some detailed instructions. And then God would tell him that every man had to give a half a shekel of silver, uh, and it says, for an atonement for his soul. In other words, it was part of this sacrifice, the, some of these things that were going on around the tabernacle. And in chapter 38, but as you move along, we know that that half a shekel, that atonement money that was given, that very money would be used to be melted down 
into what we're going to call silver sockets. So a clunk there of silver, okay? Now again, it's important to understand this, this silver came from atonement for his soul. A half a shekel was probably about a day or two days worth of labor in that day. Uh, and so a good bit of money. So, what were these silver sockets, preacher? What, what are you talking about? So, so, this money was given as an atonement for their soul. Uh, they were Later, that very money was taken and made into these silver sockets. What are those? Well, they formed the foundation of the tabernacle. And this is important. Now, the floor of the tabernacle, when you, if you were to walk in there, it was open. It was just sand. Um, and, and, you know, just, just bare ground, if you will. But it had a perimeter of silver sockets going all the way around it. Uh, and they were laid out, and these silver sockets later, they would have boards, and we'll talk about those boards here in just a moment as well. Those boards would be fitted down into those silver sockets. In other words, the boards were standing on that foundation of, of silver sockets. Those boards formed the walls, and we'll talk about those in just a moment. So the point is here is that we see that the foundation of the tabernacle came from the atonement money, the atonement money, again, was what was the price of souls. Now, let's talk about the church today. Amen? Some of you are already getting I see some of you smiling and shaking your head, wanting to say amen. Well, go ahead, say amen. It's great. All right? And so, so, again, we know that when we think of the church today, Peter would tell us. Now, think about this picture that I just, just tried to give you as best as I could. Peter would say, for as much as you know that, we, that we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold... But he goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so those silver sockets, again, made with the atonement money, the atonement money were patterns for the atonement that Jesus made, amen, which was his precious blood, amen. That's the, hey, that's the foundation of our salvation, is it not? Uh, and, so, and so the foundation of the church certainly is the blood of Christ because the Bible says, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, amen. And so, wow, what a wonderful picture that is. The atonement money was used as the foundation. Certainly, Jesus' blood being spilled is the foundation of our salvation this morning. And all of God's people said, amen and hallelujah. Number four, the boards. I mentioned those boards that fit into those foundational sockets. Again, if you read ahead and you get over into Exodus chapter 26, you'll, you'll see the mention of these boards. And so these boards were for the walls of the tabernacle. So you have all your silver sockets lined up, and these boards would fit vertically down into these, uh, these sockets, if you will. Uh, they were probably 15 foot tall, long, if you will, uh, over 2 foot wide, so a good-sized good tree to make those. Um, and they would have tenons cut into the ends of them, carved into the ends so that they would fit down into those silver sockets, okay? And they'd be tied together uh, at the top in some other ways. But these boards are important. So they are patterns of the believer that is secured in Christ. And this is a wonderful word picture. Now, it's to be noted, too, that these boards were covered in gold. <laughs> I forgot to mention that, didn't I? So they were covered in gold. Uh, and uh, they, they, you know, when we think about us today, amen, again, if these are patterns of the believer, we're on the foundation of Christ, amen? And, and we think about this, are we not covered with the righteousness of Christ, amen, at the moment of salvation, amen? Uh, hey, that's pretty exciting if you stop and think about it. I shall come forth as what? Gold, amen? And also all because of the blood of Christ. And so these boards were also fitly framed together 
Uh, and again, what a, what a precious pattern of the church family. It's, oh, it's a crying shame that the local New Testament church is just being de-emphasized, be, being de-emphasized. I, I tell you, it, 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 it's a sad thing when you think about these pictures because these boards fitly framed together, a precious pattern of the church family fitted on the foundation of Christ. Amen. Forming the body of Christ. Hey, praise the Lord for the local New Testament church. Amen. Hey, the church ought to mean something to you. Ephesians 2.21 says, In whom, talking about the church, all the building fitly framed together, groweth up into a holy temple in the Lord. What a pattern, amen. What a pattern of the church. And number five, there are also bars to consider. These also were made out of wood. They were round. Again, in Exodus chapter 26, we learn about these bars and uh, made of wood but again, covered with gold. Uh, and, and so imagine these, these boards are sitting in these sockets, and then in a couple different places on those boards, uh, there are rings that are made into those boards. And so what they would do, they'd get those boards lined up, and they'd take this gold-covered rod, and they would slide them all through those slots. What were they doing? Well, they were tying those boards together, amen? Oh, what a wonderful word picture we have here. So these bars made of wood covered in gold, they encircled the boards that, that, were, that were, were, were fitted into those sockets of silver. And basically, it was a practical reason, but more than that, a spiritual reason, but they basically uh, kept those boards clamped together, stuck together. Now, again, we see this pattern today concerning the church. As we've already talked about the goal, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, amen? We're fitted in the salvation or on the foundation of salvation. Amen? We're, we're close together, or at least we should be, right? We're held in place by what? By those rods, by the loving arms of Christ. Amen? Kept, the Bible says, in the power of God. Woo, isn't the local New Testament church a wonderful thing? Amen? It ought to mean something to you. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. And we find all these patterns even in the Old Testament. Did not Jesus say about the church that upon this rock, and he's talking about himself, that is Christ himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? Think about those, those rods going through there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the everlasting arms that, that encircle us this morning. Amen? This is why we can sing onward Christian soldier. Amen? Amen. With the cross of Jesus going on before. So I'm almost done. I'm preaching short today for a reason. You know, there's a great deal more that we could speak about on this subject, and we're going to be looking at some other things as we continue on uh, through this next week, looking at these patterns. I'm super excited about this, about this uh, series of messages. But I wanted to end with this thought. You know, the purpose of the tabernacle, the purpose of that house of God, now, it wasn't set up as a showpiece or as a trophy for man's ability. None of that was, was made for that. It was simply, I mean, profoundly, but simply set as a sanctuary for God, a holy place for God. Sometimes we don't find these mentioned, this word mentioned in the Bible, but certainly we see an explanation of it as we think about the pillar of, of the cloud and the pillar of fire by night as the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. We think about uh, the presence of God when Solomon prayed and the presence of God came into the temple. Uh, we, we often call that the Shekinah glory of God. Amen. And the Shekinah glory of God would even fill Moses' tabernacle as well. And so when we think about that, what is the temple of God today? 
Well, where is it that that Shekinah glory, if you will, where does the Shekinah glory dwell today? Well, I want to tell you something. If you're saved, in you. The believer, now pay attention, the believer is the temple of God today. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Oh, wow, boy, that really puts a lot together, doesn't it? Oh, that, hey, that's why we, hey, you know, talk about separation. That's why we, hey, listen, you're the temple of God today. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Nobody has more Holy Spirit than you do because God, God's a person, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, we're talking about a temple. We have been set upon the foundation of Christ. We are secure in Christ. Think about those uh, uh, silver sockets. We're secure in Christ. Think about those bars. But we're not just saved to be saved, but to be a habitation of God. Amen. I'll tell you, this ought to be life-changing for you. The tabernacle would also become a witness, matter of fact, a testimony of the true and living God. And as believers, we are to be witnesses. We're to be a testimony of the true God, amen, in this wilderness that you and I live in. And we see these patterns here. But make no mistake, it's not your ability. It's not your goodness. Hey, listen, it is the presence of God in you that makes you a witness, amen, and amen. Without the presence of God... And go back to the tabernacle without the presence of God, as beautiful as it was. I mean, could you imagine a, a, a wall of gold and everything is gold and the furnishings are gold? Everything is fancy, all the materials. We get into this a little bit later. But without the presence of God, it would have just been a fancy tent. It would, there wouldn't have been no, there's no power in that gold, amen? There's no power in all that, that expensive material that we read there. Hey, listen, the tabernacle was nothing until God dwelled in it, amen? And man is nothing until he accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior. Woo, amen. I'll amen myself on that one. Hey, listen, the presence of God in you, that's what makes you a witness. Without the presence of God... You're nothing. Without the presence of God, you're lost without hope. One of the saddest things you ever read in the Bible, without Christ in the world. That's a sad state of affairs, is it not? Hey, listen, and you will be most miserable. You need to have Jesus Christ in your heart. I like what a preacher, been gone many, many years, said this. And I want you to listen very carefully and I'll be done. It is not you the world needs. It is God that's in you. Amen. I, I can't do nothing for the world. Amen. The world doesn't need me, but the world needs God that's in me. Amen. And we need to be yielded to the things of God. So, do you know him as your Savior this morning? Do you, do you know him as your Savior? Do you know him? Do you know if you died right now, if you were to leave this world right now, that you'd make heaven your home? Beyond a shadow, I'm not asking you about any religious stuff. I'm, not, I'm simply asking you, do you know beyond a shadow of an out that if you took your last breath, if your heart beat for the last time, that you'd make heaven your home? If not, you need, you need to come to this altar and we'll get somebody to take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Do you know him as Savior? And a believer, I might ask you this, have, has these patterns, and we just barely scratched the surface. We're going to get into these things deeper as the weeks go on. But have these patterns spoke to your heart this morning? 
I, I realize the devil is battling today. He's been battling me since early this morning, and he's battling right now. I, you know, preachers know, okay? And so there's a reason for that, you know. And uh, often it's because God wants to do something big in our lives, and there's spiritual battles going on. So I just want you to try to put all this, maybe whatever's going through your heart, through your mind, off to the side, and just listen to me for just a second, believer. Have these patterns spoke to your heart? First of all, I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that you've been strengthened as we think about these Old Testament patterns. I pray that God, as we talked about the soul of man in Sunday school this morning, and I pray that God has touched your soul. It's really just a simple truth, but a very powerful truth. And I would pray that you would go out and be a tabernacle of witness for the Lord. And you say, well, I, you know, I don't do this well and I don't do that well. That doesn't matter. God, the world doesn't need you. The world needs God who's in you. Amen. All really God needs you to do is yield to him and be a witness, be a tabernacle. It's really just that, just that simple. I think we make it hard, don't we? I think sometimes we put ourselves on a level we have no business putting ourselves on. And it's not what I can do, but what God can do through me. Amen? I'm just a tabernacle. Without the presence of God, I would just be a plain old tent. But if you're saved, you are the tabernacle of God. Amen? And through that, God can do mighty and wonderful things. So maybe God's just... just wanting to get a hold of your heart today. And I want to ask you, if you will, to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And again, if you need to be saved, you just come on down. Even right now, before the singing begins, before the music begins, and, and you know, come and do business with the Lord. Come get my attention. We, hey, listen, don't leave here lost this morning.